0: Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Justin Goodred. He is many things. Uh, He's an author, advisor, helps companies with the whole exiting process. We're going to talk to him about his experience, about his insight. We're going to have a conversation around what people can do to both prepare for an exit it to maximize not only sort of the financial uh, beneficial financial outcome, but also kind of emotionally prepare. I think that's a big thing people don't anticipate as much as what does it mean to actually sell your business? What are you going to do next? Uh, I think that's an important part of the journey, important part of the process. Uh, so I'm excited to have this. I don't, it's hard for people when they go to think about selling their business, making sure they've got the right strategy, making sure they're prepared. So it's going to be really important, um, and we'll get some good content out of this. So with that, Justin, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. So uh, let's do. A little bit of background, and then we can kind of jump into this whole selling a company, exiting a company process. How did you get into this? What was your background that got you into this part of the world? <laughs>
1: so it's a long story. Let's try to shorten it up. I've already <laughs> sold three businesses in my life. I'm 42 years old now, and I started when I started to the exit planning, value growth, acceleration model of businesses. It was probably six years ago. Whenever I, in my current businesses, was trying to figure out how to grow the value so that one day I can exit or transition the business down. So yeah. I started my first business when I was 15. I sold it when I. I was 21. It was a lawn care business, landscaping, irrigation business, yep. and um, came into the world of finance back in 2003, four somewhere in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, typical financial guy learning how to do the Wall Street walk and talk, and I realized that that's not who I am. You know, I, I'm I'm a business guy. <laughs> I like to grow businesses. I like to work with businesses, and yeah. I have this I have this uh, sneaking suspicion, as I say when I'm fixing to say, everybody's gonna like, don't wreck your car when you hear me say this, okay? You're gonna be like, dude, this guy gets it. I have this. That Wall Street's off base whenever they try to come to me as a business owner and tell me that, hey, bring me my money as if they're like the God that's going to show me how to grow my wealth. Yeah. I want them to get out of my way and let me, let me grow my business. Let me use tax strategies and good financial strategies, but let me grow the things so where one day that whenever I want to sell it, I can sell it. So I, I sold a business that was a uh, financial business not too many years ago. And mm-hmm. then I sold a management company that I created. And so here we are now, some, man, 20 years years of this journey since I came in the financial world almost and I own three companies and one is a traditional financial world. Then we try to show business owners, here's how you need to manage your money using tax strategies. And mm-hmm. then we have a business consulting. And then I have my education portal called Financially Simple, to which where I try to give away all the information I have in my head and bring lots of cool guests onto the show to try to help business owners rock it out and build a business that they can sell.
0: Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about what it takes to sell a business. You know, not all businesses are sellable, or at least not, you know, at a high valuation and in an easy way. You know, unfortunately, I see a lot of business that end up getting sold because... Because you know they're in distress situations, or there's no one that wants to take them over, or you know they haven't been able to figure out how to make a pivot. What does it take to build a business that is sellable or sellable on good terms?
1: Yeah, so let's lay a backdrop behind that question. So first of all, from the Ex- Exit Planning Institute, if I can talk right on this Monday afternoon, eighty <laughs> percent um, of businesses never sell, and that's just in the middle yeah. market. So middle market is typically between five million to hundred million in annual revenue or sales. If you drop it down to the micro market, there's about five point six million companies in the micro market. And we're a lot about those during the Corona uh, stint yeah. with the uh, number of businesses that are struggling right now. Yep. And so their numbers are even worse. I mean, it's, so you figure that only about 20% of businesses sell and then where it gets mind numbing is only about three to 4% of businesses actually sell without concessions. In other words, they got cash and they walked away with what they wanted. Mm. So, yeah. you know, so 20% of businesses actually sell and only three to 4% of them actually get what the buyer thinks are worth. Those are dismal numbers. So back to your question now, as we start putting that in the backdrop, what's it going to take to sell a business, it's going to take time and preparation. It's going mm-hmm. to take the business owner positioning the business where he or she is not the epicenter of the business and the business can operate without them. I love to listen to Tony Robbins and Dave Ramsey and Robert mm-hmm. Kiyosaki and a lot of these other names out there. And they're all the time talking about growing our business to where we don't have a glorified job. So that's what <laughs> ultimately has to be done. You have to grow yeah. your business where you don't have an underpaid glorified job. We have to make yeah. it work and run without us. So if you yeah. can do that, then somebody else more than likely is going to want to have a business that can provide income to them without them having to come in and spend the long hours, the stress and the headaches and everything working the business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always love to kind of start the conversation or, or think about the selling a business is really a conversation of why do people buy businesses? So what are the reasons? I mean, I, I kind of know why people want to sell their business. <laughs> they want to, you know, money in hand. They don't want to have to deal with the stress of the business. Anymore. But why do people buy businesses? Like, what is happening on the other side of this transaction?
1: Yeah, you know, I've seen lots of people buy businesses. I've seen where somebody wanted a second career. You know, they come out of a Fortune 500 company, they've learned a little bit of, of business acumen, and then uh, now they want to go and spend some money and and create a second career and, and grow and scale, then flip and sell. You know, I've seen that transpire. I've seen serial entrepreneurs to where they're diversifying their portfolio of business holdings. In fact, we just heard our president not too long ago in a QA, he said, I own businesses. I don't own many individual stocks. And so some individuals in that type of a category, as far as wealth goes, they want to diversify themselves. Some could be with you dealing with private equity. They may be trying to build out a portfolio to tranche the portfolio. It could be a young up and coming to where I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the service business, you know, like an entrepreneur doctor or, or car. We have car repair companies that we have the honor and privilege to work with that a young up and coming business person who doesn't want to go out and try to start from scratch will go want to buy a business and they think they can modernize the business and carry the legacy of that business on throughout their career. I've seen that transpire. So there's a myriad of reasons why people want to buy businesses. And what we have to do as the people who are coaching business owners or business owners ourselves is to try to build the business. So when opportunity and market intersect, our business yeah. is prepared. You see? Yeah. And so, you know, real estate's always about location, 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 and business is about timing, timing, timing. So we want to build it so when the opportunity comes about, where money is loose or money is cheap, and opportunity, so whenever there's a demographic who wants to buy our particular business, that our business is prepared for that transition.
0: Yeah, and I like that idea that there are many reasons that people buy businesses, and you you almost need to think a little bit about who do you want to sell to, to decide how you're going to design, structure your business so that it's attractive to that market. Like, if you're going to be part of a roll-up, well, what is it that roll-up looking for? Is it particular penetration in a particular market, geographic area? Is there a particular skill set or service component that you're going to be particularly good at? You know, I always say that the first thing you need to do is kind of figure out who are you going to sell to and why are they going to buy? And then what can you do to make your business more attractive that way?
1: Yeah. And so you can end up having a number of different buyers. You can end up having a financial buyer that's somebody who's just looking to do Mm -hmm. a flip. You could have a strategic buyer that's somebody who's trying to buy out their competition, or maybe they're trying to find another segment to add to their product mix. It could be an angel investor a venture capitalist, private equity firm. It, you may even sell it to your kids or you yeah. may move it to an ESOP. It may move it to a, a, yeah. an, uh, it a to key employee or somebody in the business. So once you know kind of where you want to go, each of those buyers are going to afford different types of price tags. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a strategic buyer is by far the one that yields the highest price tag for us. And maybe your children are going to be the ones that are going to leave <laughs> you the bro- broke, you know? So, yeah, I think it's a good idea to build it with the end in mind. That's what I write about in my book, The Ultimate Sale. You want to build it with the end in mind. You want to know where you're starting from and know the destination you want to drive. You want to go to. So I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I often talk about going to Portland, Oregon, and that's my destination. I have a ton of different ways on how to get to Portland, Oregon. I mean, mm-hmm. I could walk. I could crawl. I could try, probably swim if I had the energy to do it. There's a number <laughs> of ways I could get to Portland. So once I know where I'm at and where I'm going, then you can design how you're going to get there.
0: Yeah. Uh, any sort of classic mistakes or thing things that people misstep early in? a business either setting it up or building it that that costs them later in terms of options or in terms of actual you know valuation or terms, conditions that they do their sale under?
1: Dude, I could go all day on that answer.
0: <laughs> That's kind of a softball, <laughs> but yeah.
1: I mean you can go from entity selection. So I've had business owners didn't realize that a C a C Corp was taxed twice and yeah. what it was going to do upon sale. I've had entity selection, I've dealt with marketing errors, I've dealt with contract issues. Ooh. I mean, you name it. We could always position it to where the skeletons, as we often refer to them, the skeletons in the closet, yeah. we're trying to figure out how to minimize those particular points. So ultimately at the end of the day, this is where you need a wise team. You need not only a good team yeah. inside your business, but you need a team of advisors who's been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You know, this isn't their first rodeo. They've ridden that cow. This is what mm-hmm. you want on your side of the table. You got to have somebody who knows what the heck they're doing.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about service businesses because I always, um, I use a phrase a lot. They're easy to start, hard to scale, and they're even- even harder to sell sometimes. What goes into when you go to sell a service-based business, what are the things that you're really selling or what are the things that someone's really buying? Because you're not, I mean, you're not dealing with, or typically you're not dealing with an IP or product lines or physical materials. What is it that you're selling in a service-based business?
1: Yeah, the majority of time is goodwill. I mean, hands down, that's typically the single largest asset. It may be in the terms of, most of the time it's in the terms of customer or patient base. Mm-hmm. Um, that's majority of time on a service business. Now there may be some equipment, there may be some, some restricted covenants, um, yep. There could be a lot of other things involved in that, but you know if' you're, if you 're trying to scale and sell a service business there 's one simple simple thing you 've got to do in terms of speaking about it, but it is darn difficult to actually pull it off, and that is you 've got to remove the business owner the person who holds the equity yeah. from the epicenter of the business that business has got to be able to operate without the business owner there hands yeah. down there is nothing more important for a service business than that
0: yeah and, and it 's so classically the case that that's the, that that is true you know that the founder the owner, is kind of this uh, hero, figurehead, and he or she is really kind of drives the value of the company just because they're the ones that are doing the selling, the brand is built around them, the reputation, their network, their knowledge. It's so often the case. How do you start to do this? Like, What are some strategies that you've seen successful service companies do to get that founder, owner out of the center of the business?
1: Yeah, so we walk every client that we work with through a simple process, and it brings across three different disciplines. So I'm a certified financial planner. That's typical financial planning for individuals. Mm-hmm. I'm a CEPA certified exit planning advisor. That is showing people how to exit their business in the most tax-efficient, time-efficient manner possible. I'm also a certified value growth advisor, and that's how you increase the value of a company, how you increase the sell value of the company. So uh, what our company has done some years ago, and now we have the honor and privilege to walk hundreds of clients through this on a national level, is we begin, first of all, with identifying where is it the business owner wants to be. In fact, we and I were just talking, I'm, I'm actually one of the facilitators or teachers. For the Exit Planning Institute, we mm-hmm. received the Exit Planning Leader of the Year one time now, and a couple other awards in that area over the past. On how do I drive business owners where they can sell their business? And it begins first of all with knowing where you want to go. Knowing do you want to sell the business? Talking about who the who the buyer is going to be of this business. Do you find yourself sitting on the beach somewhere? That's not who I am. I may be sitting on a, on a fishing <laughs> stream somewhere and a hunting blind somewhere, but yeah. I'm not going to just sit on the beach. But some people do. I have a couple yeah. clients that do that. So yeah. once you know where you want to go and you know where you're at, then it's as simple as dissecting the business. And we approach it from eight key areas. And we're going to talk about this in our next book. The eight key areas are simple to talk about. And once you identify these eight key areas in a business, then you can know how you're going to move throughout those areas. So let me kind of give you those eight areas and we can kind of talk through those. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the first two are typically your type D personalities, and that is your planning and your leadership. So you have Mm -hmm. to have a business plan, where you're going, how you're going to get there. And you have to have a leadership team in place or yourself, you have to have some leadership capabilities. And that's typically your D personality of the of the business owners who, yeah. f- who focus on those areas. I'm a high D. I'm the guy who charge hell with a water pistol, right? Then you go to your <laughs> I type personalities. Those are your fun loving people. They're typically dealing with marketing, how you're going to position the business for what it produces, and sales. Marketing and sales are two segments of the business. Then you go into your S personalities. Those are your checklist type people. That is people and operations. Now operations gets a lot of, a lot of, uh, <clears throat> out because it talks about, you know, like throughput. It talks about, you know, the Japanese assembly line t- style production mm-hmm. businesses, but operations in yeah. a service business could be the flow of your client or patient through the business. So you have operations and people as your team, and then you get to your to your bookworms, and then you get to your bookworms, your nerdy guys. Yeah. I'm often here, finance and legal. And so if you break your business into those eight key areas, you have to identify what is your strengths and what are your weaknesses. And so we take people through a 256 point assessment. It's the same assessment that appraisers use to come up with the, with the value of your company. And they're looking at the interworkings, 256 points to determine if your value, what your value is. So if we can backwards engineer and say, okay, you're really strong in planning and you're really strong, you have an awesome team, but your marketing sucks and you're legal. I mean, you got some risk here. Then what we systematically do is we start moving and strengthening one of those eight key areas. And the goal being is we want whoever, not the business owner, but whoever Whoever ends up being the disciple, the the, yeah. the cheerleader, the the manager, whoever you're going to, whatever term you want to put over that area, we want them to become best in class. Meaning that if you have a CEO that you're going to replace yourself with, be, as in the service business, we want your CEO to be able to go to an industry event like a seminar or or some sort of a trade show, and we want them to be able to speak as an authority on what it means to do business planning for your segment. If we have a marketing team, if we have a, a CMO, we want that CMO to be at a national convention telling other business owners who are in the same exact area that you're in on how you guys are rocking it out as marketing. So we want every area of that business to ultimately fall in the top 80% in the national level. And if we can do so, ultimately what we built is a series of systems that incorporate the entire throughput, the entire gaining of a client to the servicing quality management of a client and everywhere in between on how to drive value. And as we drive value, we've reduced owner dependent. Now I know it's a lot lot of information right there, but that's what we work toward.
0: No, it makes sense. I mean, I think that, you know, breaking it down into those components, and I love the idea that you're basically reverse injuring the value uh, calculation or the, the valuation formula. Where do people typically get or for service companies, where do they typically get it wrong or, or where are the most problematic areas?
1: Yeah, it mostly? depends on the type of company. I mean, so if we were to isolate service companies by, you know, let's say we go into the trades area, you know, let's say mm-hmm. we have an auto mechanic or a plumber or an electrician, some of that nature, maybe a handyman type personality that type of person wants to be the jack of all trades and typically they don't put together a comprehensive plan they're just running like their heads heads on fire you know if you go into the professional service world let's say the entrepreneur doctor veterinarian chiropractor dentist things of that nature then because their personality is so lean toward that high C that meticulous style personality type they don't focus on marketing or sales And and so they end up losing revenue and not creating a scalable sustainable model so I think it's based on sick code I think it's based on the the personality profile. So here's the way you can answer it in your business. And this is what I tell your listeners to do. If you're like me and you're a high D personality and you're the guy like the CEO type that, you know, I'm going to, someone tells me I'm not going to do something. I'm going to show you how I can do it. That personality, then look opposite of you, look opposite of your personality. And that's going to be your S that's going to be that your operations, because you're so far distant or you're so creative in your mind that you don't have operations. As I like to say on my podcast, I like to say, you're not teaching 16 year olds how to cook French tries without burning McDonald's down. You don't have step-by-step <laughs> processes if you're a high D. So I think you've got to look opposite. So your opposites are your D and your S's are opposites and your C and your I personalities are opposite. And so if you want to know where your personality is, you can go take a free disc assessment and see where your personality falls and look at the opposite side. And that chances are that's where you're weak in business. And that is what's going to lead your business to have problems when it comes to sale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that whole idea is it's about balancing that out and creating a well-rounded team. I guess where, where do most most business owners that you've worked with, where do they find these folks? Like, how do you find someone to bring in and start running some of these key areas? And how do you find people that are, yeah, have these kind of complementary, you know, balancing personality types to so that you can kind of create that, you know, well-rounded team? What's the best strategies for finding folks to be part of that process?
1: Well, first of all, we got to admit that we need a well-rounded team. And that's yeah. one of the biggest struggles that business owners have, because especially if you're an entrepreneur type business owner, that you have never met a problem that you can't solve yourself. And notice I yeah. said you three times in a row there. So what you more than likely have on your team is that you have a football team that's completely geared with quarterbacks, or you have a football team that's completely staffed with linemen. What you have to have in a business that's going to sell or transact or transition from yourself to ultimately another business owner is you have to have a well balanced team. You can't have heavy weighted to one side. Look at the yeah. championship teams, if you can use that analogy, and they're typically well balanced. There's not one superstar. Now there's occasional occasional positions like that, but typically they're the well balanced team. So the way that, the way I would approach this is first of all, know who you are as a business owner, go and do your own, go to a disc profile or a Myers-Briggs assessment or 16 personalities, find out who you are. And yeah. once you know who you are, look for the exact opposite. If you're married, typically it's your mate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's your opposite and they're the people that you love the most and the ones you want to choke the most many times yeah, right yeah. because they're direct opposite of our personality and so the very first person that you're going to start re- relinquishing some control to is that person who is completely opposite of you just like you did in your marriage or in your in your relationships. Okay. Once you team up with the opposite, then you're going to look and look at the, your specific business and try to mate up or bring on the next weakest link on your team. Hopefully, as you build this, it's almost like the old merry-go-round when I was a kid. You tried to balance it out. So I mean, you could end up throwing your little brother off when it got going too fast. You <laughs> want to build a very balanced system so that you can hold harmony around the whole organization.
0: Yeah, not easy to do.
1: Not, <laughs> that no, be, yeah, man, that that's be very challenge. difficult. People are, I heard one of my clients would tell You'll love this. You'll love this, Bruce. He said, um, man, I'd have a great business if I didn't have employees
0: or clients. <laughs> business would be so much easier he said it'd be
1: great Um, i'd have
0: an awesome time here and i uh, think every business owner at that point just said amen hallelujah i think think everyone (laughs) listening here is smiling and chuckling as well i think it's very true especially for service companies it's just like we end up getting so tied into you know finding the right talent managing people creating a good culture dealing with issues it's just uh it is just the nature of the beast for service companies and when should we start this i mean is something i look at 90 days before i want to sell or when do i when do i start this process
1: (laughs) yeah you you know, that's what most people do, which is why they never sell the business. Yeah, exactly. So sooner than later, I can tell you that I've been building my business to sell from the first time I bought from when I first started it up.
0: Yeah. And
1: now that I've gone through three transactions for a profit and I had three profitable businesses and I know how stinking hard it is to sell a business, the sooner, the better. I actually, we had a statistic here not too long ago that there's about 50% to 60% of business owner who's not even done basic financial planning. Start there. Get mm-hmm. yourself a good yeah. financial planner who understands business and start with a personal plan so you know where you're going in the future. Then get a, then have your business advisory team help you mate your personal fan, financial plan to your business plan. Start soon. You know, there are some guidelines that if you go past five or 10 years and certain pitfalls that you can end up having some problems. So you don't want to wait until you have an offer before you start trying to get your business ready to sell. It's not going to happen. In fact, we deal with that in the world called retrading. In fact, I have a client right now who wouldn't listen and they're dealing with this issue where a potential buyer came along, offered them a nice LOI, letter of intent. It yeah. was a stupid number on the piece of paper. I told the client, I said, you're not going to get that. They're going to exactly. retrade you. And sure enough, all, they put all the due diligence together. The client didn't position the sale properly. None, he didn't listen to any of the advisors. And here we are now, a year and a half later, he's still waiting for it to close. And now they came back and said, hey, because you didn't meet your expectations as you projected in your pro forma, now your sales price dropped considerably. So now the buyers just like ticked. And he spent a year and a half and the business has suffered. And here we are in the midst of some a global crisis. and he wasn't as prepared as he could have been all because he didn't understand the power of a retrade from a buyer's perspective. So I'm going to tell you that if you want to sell your business in the next 10 years, now's the time. Get with a planner sooner than later. Get with a business advisor, someone who understands this selling process sooner than later and lean on them. Ask them a lot of questions. Get ready to have your world rocked because they're going to make your business ready to sell and it's going to be opposite of what many people think. But you can sell your business. I'm living proof of it.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it's easier. (laughs) It's easier if you do it sooner, if you a lot of these things, if you try to wait till either you you need to sell or you have an offer on the table, it's painful. It can be costly. Uh, it can be much harder to do. So uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of foresight and, and planning, and this can be can go a long way. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the kind of the non financial side of this because I've seen this happen a lot. <laughs> I've worked with a lot of CEOs, a lot of owners, where you know they're looking at all the financials and what are the terms going to be, but they haven't really kind of figured out more of the emotional, the personal side. And and what do you see in a good sale? What has the owner done in terms of, you know, kind of preparing themselves, you know, from a personal emotional point of view to actually go through the sales process successfully, come out on the other side of it happy, not only financially, hopefully better, but, you know, happy and looking forward in the future. What do you advise or or what do you see good owners do to make sure that they're going to be, you know, not only hopefully a little wealthier, but actually happier on the other side?
1: So when I was growing up, my dad had these little one- Liners. My pops passed away a few years ago unexpectedly, and now I reminisce about him, Bruce, and all the little w- pearls of wisdom. And my dad was uh, not to try to belittle him anyways, but he couldn't spell very good. He barely got out of high school, but was one of the wisest men I ever met in my life. In fact, I am who I am today because of his legacy and his heritage and what he instilled in me. I can remember this one particular statement that I heard him say a hundred times. He said, Son, you never tell a woman her baby's ugly. I heard him say that a hundred times, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> And what he would say is, what he was meaning by that is, is we all have a baby and we all have an ugly baby at some point. Uh-huh. You know, not every baby's beautiful. I remember when my little daughter was born, she came out looking like a wet rat. I thought she was a yeah. gerbil at first. Like, holy cow, yeah. that's mine. And now she's gorgeous. In fact, I have to deal with boys and that's uh, a whole other oh, story. Boy. That's a different podcast. Yeah, a whole different <laughs> podcast. But what happens whenever we go into the cell is this. The buyers are going to tell you you have an ugly baby and they are going to kick your baby and they're going to punch your baby and they're going to smack your baby and they're going to do everything to make you realize how ugly your baby is. Mm-hmm. If you go into the selling process keeping that in the back of your head, then you realize it's a game. Yeah. And so the successful sellers, the one who survive emotionally during this process realize that they're just trying to make sure your baby's going to live once they, once you walk away. Mm-hmm. And with those of us with children, we can kind of relate to that. You know, I, my mom told me when I was, when I had my first child, she said, Hey son, your job is to make sure they don't die or kill themselves in the next 20 years. After that, <laughs> they're on their own. We're trying to, the buyer's trying to do the same thing. They're trying to make sure when you, the owner walk away, that the, all the skeletons are out of the closet, and that this business is going to sustain itself. So, if you want to prepare yourself emotionally for one of the hardest things that you've ever dealt with, and that is selling your baby that you've mm-hmm. spent hours, blood, sweat, and tears—I mean, just lots of stress, heartache, sleepless nights—in growing, then you've got to realize right off the bat that you're gonna, people are going to tell you, you got an ugly baby. Yeah. And if you put that into the back of your head, knowing that there's this ugly baby out there that you know is absolutely beautiful, then you're able to handle it much like a parent can whenever kids become little. Cat- chaotic sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So the emotions that we're going to deal with is we're first of all going to feel attacked. We're going to feel like somebody just stepped on our baby and that they've kicked it and punched it. And as long as we know that what's happening, then we can prepare ourselves for that. But the biggest thing is this, it's not even the, the stress of selling it. It's that our business is often our identity. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm a nationally award-winning financial advisor who focuses on business owners, helping them double their net worth every three to five years. That's who I am. Well, not really. That's part of who I am. I'm also a dad. I'm a father. I'm a hunter, a fisher. I love to garden. I like to do projects. I have I'm a, I'm a friend. I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a guy. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things who I am. And my business is just a small part of it. But as a business owner, we often forget all those things that who we are and that our business is not us. And so the number one challenge I see with business owners, especially on an exit, is preparing their mind and their values for who they are. And the way you're going to do that is you have to envision your next life. If you're walking away from your business, what is it that you truly want to do? You know, this world of money. I ask a question when I'm dealing with clients, and that is, if you had unlimited resources today, what would you do? And I've yet to hear anyone say, I grew up my business more. Most people say, you know what, I'd probably go see the Northern Lights when something I want to do. I'd probably take some time off and take my spouse on a a cool trip. I'd probably go hike in the Appalachian Trail with my kids. Whatever it is. That's what you want to start envisioning yourself now if you're within a five or ten year exodus from your business. And the more that you can envision this life after business, the easier the transition is going to be. That whenever people go into retirement, we call it short timer syndrome. It's actually a syndrome that happens whenever people are approaching retirement. They're trying to figure out their placement in life and they end up in doing a crazy stuff sometimes and humanitarian right. things, another. Business owners have it that much more. We're trying to figure out what's next for us whenever whenever we spend so much of our life diving into the the stress of business. So if you can identify your life after the business and realize that they're going to call you your baby ugly, then you've accomplished two of the most dangerous things that we deal with as emotions whenever we sell our businesses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always talk about, uh, push sales versus pull sales, you know, push, push sales when I'm, you know, I have to get out because of, um, I'm trying to get away from the situation that I'm in. Versus a pull, which is I've got a very clear and compelling vision of what I want to do next, and I'm, I'm getting pulled forward. I just find such a difference. If you've got good pull, you know, a clear sense of what am I going to do next? Why am I? Why is it meaningful? How does it engage me? It's going to make all the drama that comes with the sale that much easier. You're going to be able to get through the ugly baby. You'll be able to get through the the retrade. You'll be able to get through the dealing with the the handoff. Like all that stuff becomes so much easier when you've got a very, Absolutely. very clear plan. Absolutely. You're so well said, brother. Yeah. And the the other one I find is that if you don't, it's amazing what people do to sabotage deals. <laughs> you know?
1: Oh, you've got sabotage ears all over the place. You have
0: you have it from the professionals who just put foot
1: uh, in mouth sometimes. You have it from the employees who don't have a clue what they're talking uh, about. They don't see the yeah. bigger picture. You have it from the buyer's perspective who wants to sabotage it. They've even yeah. I've seen buyers go as far as having hiring saboteurs oh, to come in and destroy business. I mean, I've seen yeah. everything. So yeah, you got a lot of people that don't want to see you succeed, but at the same token. In the same token, there's a lot of people who want to see you succeed if you do it right. Your clients want to see it. Your customers want to see it. Your team members want to see it. They don't want to lose their jobs. They want to have yeah, a, exactly. a good boss. You have a lot of people who want to see a nice handoff, but it's not going to happen unless you spend 5, six, seven, 10, 15, 20 years sometimes being on the site business preparing you for that position.
0: Yeah, all good points. Justin, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, and the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information?
1: Yeah, say so check it out. It's on Financially Simple, financiallysimple.com. That's where we push all of our content too. We also have podcasts on any of the major providers called Financially Simple, where we, I give away 99.99% of the information in my head. We have books out there on Amazon, The Ultimate Sales, the name of the books, and we have lots of courses and stuff. So check us out. Google Justin Goodbray. You can find us anywhere.
0: Great. I'll make sure the links are in the show notes here. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time and really great insights and advice. You know, It's a hard process that can be made easier if you have the right strategy and do the right work. And I really appreciate you sharing it with us today.
1: Thanks for having me on the show, Bruce. Appreciate